welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune from U.S. Bank Stadium, where Patrick Peterson, I think, is still yelling at the Cardinal sideline down there. Can you guys, can you guys see him? He's still down there right now. He's oh, man. the only guy on the field yelling at the Cardinal sideline. And they got on a plane hours ago, but he's yes, he does appear to still be down there. I think he rented a plane to follow their plane and tow a message board behind it. I really enjoyed that you guys were there for uh, maybe, ben, I don't know, Jim, were you there? I was for, there for some of it, yes. I wasn't. I heard a little of it. I wasn't, but apparently he went off about a lot of things. He did. Um, Jim, Ben, what did you guys hear? What stood out to you most from Patrick Peterson after this game, or during the game and after the game? Well, some of the things he said afterwards were familiar, I guess. I mean, he he is no fan of Cardinals GM Steve Keim for the way that things ended, but the, the most, um, I guess – the most incredulous he got and the most uh, unbelievable the whole thing got is when he started talking about how someone in the Cardinals organization, he wasn't sure who, left emails on his chair or in, in his stall in the, in the locker room in Arizona from a fan talking about how if you're back next year, I won't keep my season tickets. And it's like, I don't know if that was supposed to be a motivational tactic or what, but they were leaving these on Peterson's seat in the locker room at the Cardinals facility, and that apparently was still stuck in his mind and obviously had a lot to say. I mean, he, his big issue with Steve Kime is basically that they that he apparently had told Peterson, yeah, we want to bring you back, we want to bring you back, and then there was just no communication from him whatsoever once the Cardinals decided to move on. So feeling like he kind of got dropped by the side of the road after going to eight Pro Bowls there. I mean, that's that happens in the NFL. It's probably not the right way to do things necessarily, but certainly not the first player to have it happen, but certainly gave him a lot of fuel today. I wonder why Patrick Peterson didn't do this last year. When they played them in Arizona. When they played them in Arizona. Yeah. Hmm, I wonder what the difference in the two games was that uh, he got really mad and emotional and popped off this year and didn't last year. The fact that they won? Is that what you're Maybe getting at? Maybe the fact that they won or that they were on their way to winning or they felt better about the team. I don't know. It's just, it seems weird to have the big revenge game come two games into your, uh, your new stint with your new team. Especially when the last one was in Arizona. And yeah, maybe. That, that game they should have won. They should have. Maybe he's a little more confident in this team. That, I, Could be. I think that's probably it. Yeah, because he did seem like – I mean, because it, it wasn't just after the game when they won. It was during. Like, right. He was dancing on the Norseman logo as Harrison Smith returns that interception. Instead of blocking for Harrison Smith, yeah. Which is incredible. Yes. And, and they almost then lost the game from there. Where, yes, you know, I note about – I said something on Twitter about how, you know, this is how his day is going and everyone's like, it ain't over yet. And here they almost lose the game. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about how his first trip back was certainly not like this. The other really good one – uh, in terms of if you're a fan of trolling, and who isn't? Um, he, at one point, was celebrating by doing charades, which is what all of these guys do, like he was playing video games. He got asked afterwards, what game were you playing? He said, I'm not much of a gamer, but I guess it's a game that just came out called Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Um, apparently it's new. I haven't heard much about it, but uh, that's what I was pretending to play. So just a, a, a brutal troll job of Kyler Murray and his uh, chosen hobbies. The Vikings secondary is well aware of the, uh, and we had fans saying like, what are you guys talking about with this Call of Duty stuff? For people who don't know, um, 
Kyler Murray obviously had this, what, what was the football news was that he had an independent study clause and a big massive contract extension he got. Comes out that, well, he's a big gamer. He doesn't really like to, you know, he does this in his spare time, but then he also in his spare time isn't much on watching film. You know, he also was quoted in the New York Times as saying, you know, I'm somebody who likes to let the game come to them. You know, I don't like to overanalyze things week to week. Um, and all these quotes were used against him. And obviously the independent study clause in his contract was used against him. But then somebody on Reddit went deep enough to look up the release dates of Call of, of, Call of Duty, and it's somewhat aligned with his dips in play. And I asked one prominent member of that Viking secondary during uh, open locker room this week about, hey, do you believe in the Kyler Murray thing? And he goes, no comment, but yes. <laughs> so they were well aware. They were well aware and trolling him nonstop. And obviously Patrick Peterson bringing it to the Cardinals sideline. Uh, and, and I didn't even do – did he, like, sit down and, like, move his thumbs? Like, I missed the actual pantomiming. I kind of missed it, too. It I must have been too. after one I of the I heard past people told me about it. I didn't see it. Yeah, me neither. So I'm not sure exactly what he was doing. But either way. I'm sure uh, the video will find us somewhere. Dominant, dominant. Three pass deflections from him. Three sacks from Zadarius Smith. Uh, the Vikings were getting after the Cardinals, but the Cardinals play such a helter-skelter style of football that they found a way to, to almost get back into it. Um, there were some charmed aspects of this game for the Vikings. The third time in four weeks that an opponent muffed a punt against them. Uh, that helped them get back into this game with a touchdown to K.J. Osborne to give them the lead at the very end. Um, but how about Kirk Cousins running 17 yards for the opening touchdown in something that very few people have ever seen on earth? And Garrett Bradbury apparently told Kirk it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Number 44 with the Cardinals. I... I don't know what he's doing in professional sports. <laughs> he couldn't catch Kirk Cousins in the open field. What is he doing? He's 31. He's a 31-year-old outside linebacker. We have is, is, his, is his nickname Waterboy? <laughs> I mean, what, what's the deal? It wasn't good. Yeah, Marcus Golden got outrun there. Kirk said it was a third down play, and he said he was surprised at how well they covered it, so much so that I'm just going to try to run for the first down here. And he said, I got out there, and what did he say? The cavalry usually catches up yes. quicker. <laughs> And this time it did not. And he dives for the pylon, something that uh, I asked C.J. Ham after the game, and C.J. goes, Lamar who? The real number eight. We got the real Lamar Jackson with us. Everyone was trolling the fact that Kirk just doesn't do this. People don't see it very often, and obviously they know he's not really the mobile quarterback. I found it interesting that after the game, Kirk kept saying, I don't know why the offensive lineman loved it so much. Well, maybe it's because a lot of times it, you're a sitting duck back there getting taken down whenever somebody gets beat up front. They want you to move around. They want you to kind of help up front a little bit. And I think having a mobile quarterback certainly helps when you give up pressures the way that Ed Ingram and some of these guys did today because I think it was a pretty rough game for him too. So did we learn anything about this, this team, Ben? Was it, was it the running game? Was it another defensive stop at the end coming out of the bye week or just, I don't know, another fly by the seat of their pants kind of win? Well, I thought overall, I mean, the penalties were kind of the bigger issue today of, of all the things they had, and they gave up a strip sack. I mean, this is not probably going to wear as one of their better performances for the offensive line. I mean, certainly they ran the ball pretty well, and uh, they, you know they were able to kind of control the game there. But the penalties and the pressure on Cousins, this was not – one that's kind of a, probably grayed out as their best work. I thought overall their offense was a little more resourceful today than it certainly than we'd seen it in Miami. Between the fact that they had three different guys run for touchdowns, a nice run from Alexander Madison near the goal line. They continued to be really good in the red zone, which they've been the last three games. The only time they have not scored a touchdown in the red zone was that drive before halftime 
in Miami, and I thought they overall were better at getting different guys involved offensively than they've been. Justin Jefferson kind of went quiet for a part of that game again, but still ends up with 98 yards. It was a quiet 98 yards, but um, yeah, overall I thought they were – I thought it was a better effort than we've seen. It, it did not really ever feel to me, even when they got behind, I, you kind of thought they're going to be able to find a way to come back and win this one. It, it didn't seem like some of these where – and maybe they've just done it enough now that you kind of say, okay, they they have this in their DNA or at least they're capable of – coming up with what they need but yeah overall I thought offensively it was a more well-rounded performance overall I think the fact that they ran the ball so effectively and listen I know the Cardinals probably aren't a great run defense but you know often coaches like O'Connell they love the passing game they love the intricacies they want to use everything they can think of and to just say okay you know (laughs) the Alvin Cooks run the ball well we're going to keep running the ball well Cook and Madison combined really had a big impact on the game I just think it's good for them to be able to win that way it is yeah they combined for um 100 and uh was it 70 some rushing yards every six yards 171 total counting cousins contributions to that yeah, which were two third down, yeah. a third down conversion early, and then that third down touchdown. And for them to do that against – and the Cardinals, actually, that was their strength going into this game. At least the previous six opponents or seven opponents was their run defense, and they were bad against the pass. And so the Vikings said, we're just going to run at your strength as a defense and try to try to run that over. Uh, and they seemed to do that pretty, pretty effectively on, on the toss stuff, getting them outside, Cook bending back in some of the zone stuff. Um, if they can continue to do that, K.J. Osborne said after the game, that's when we're at our best, when the run game can set up the pass, take the pressure off us as receivers, off of Kirk. Um, and it really seemed like the offense kind of was in much more of a rhythm than we'd seen against Miami. Um, Jim, you wrote about after the game, just did we learn anything about if this team is good compared to you know the rest of the NFC? It seems like it today if they can get that ground game going. I think they can beat you a lot of different ways. Uh, they can beat, now, it looks like they can beat you running now. They've beat – beating you with Justin Jefferson. They've beaten you with, you know, going to secondary receivers. The defense has created turnovers. Special teams have created turnovers. So they've won a lot of different ways. In terms of how good this team is, I don't think we learned anything today. I think they survived a bad team, which is what they've been doing for weeks now. Uh, the only winning team they've beaten so far is Miami, and they faced their third-string quarterback, who then got hurt and gave away to a beat-up second-string quarterback. So in terms of how good this team is, I still don't think we know. Zedaria Smith said afterward that he's mad that they're not talking about him more, and the team more, I should say, not him. I, I just always find that to be the, the falsest of narratives. Uh, people aren't talking about us. You're on national TV. There are every NFL show on every network gets huge ratings. Everybody's talking about every team. Uh, you know, listen, I guess you could say that the Cowboys always get talked about disproportionately, but every other team – if you play well long enough, you're going to get talked about. Especially if you keep winning like this. Yeah, 6-1. and one. And now looking at the NFC North and where they're at, I mean, the Pack- or, excuse me, the Bears lost today. The Lions lost today. The Packers could very well lose Should tonight. the Packers, Packers start tanking? Should they start tanking, try to get that? It's a good quarterback draft. Get a quarterback? <laughs> I mean, I think Buffalo might help them tank tonight. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> get rolled over by a tank. <laughs> but at 6-1, and one, the Vikings are about – it's about as good as you could have possibly imagined if you're a part of this organization. I mean, to, to start out these first seven games the way that they have and to keep winning one-score games the way that they have, you wonder if and when a horseshoe is going to fall out. You know, when, when is the other shoe going to drop in terms of 
of not winning these close games. But players say that there might be something to the culture and, and people feeling comfortable in these moments as we keep talking about. Zadarius Smith said something interesting after the game. He said, uh, we have a young head coach who cares what the players think. Yeah. So yeah. that makes a difference. That is also quite different <laughs> than the way it was in the past. I think it's it's interesting in the sense that they made a lot of their bet this offseason on, you know, we talk, we've, they've talked about competitive rebuild. They've talked about winning in the margins, but it was sort of this, we think we can be a playoff team despite the fact that we don't really have any money to upgrade the roster a whole lot. We think we can get more out of what we have, and then we'll make a few additions here and there. You saw a lot of those additions make big plays today, whether it was Darius Smith, certainly. Harrison Phillips had the last sack. Jordan Hicks with the stop on the fourth down. Uh, Jalen Rieger really set up both of those touchdowns with the motion stuff they've used on the one that he scored on. Your guy, Johnny Munt, scores a touchdown uh, at, at the beginning of the game when when he's wide open because of the Rieger motion. And Patrick Peters, the second-year guy, that they had to, had to decide to keep, obviously, as the big day with three pass breakups and opportunities to uh, – let the Cardinals sideline and their coaching staff and probably their GM from wherever he was watching know about it. So, I mean, really in a lot of spots, they got meaningful contributions from guys that they signed for not a whole lot this off season. I mean, it really, you, you go out on the list that that's almost the entirety of their off season moves is those types of players. And uh, they got important moments from just about every one of them today that's a good point yeah about hicks phillips sedarius like all these offseason acquisitions seem to be pretty smart moves for them ryan so wright i mean even a good day for him <laughs> even the bunter is getting into it uh not the kicker no not the kicker <laughs> not the kicker it's kind of weird that the kicker can miss two of them and it's just doesn't it doesn't matter in a one score game because of the way they won yeah including missing an extra point that kept it a one score game yeah yeah, it's the universe. Just it, it makes everything the Vikings touch into a one-score game, it would seem. Um, ben, you wrote about Patrick Peterson before this game. Yeah. How, I guess, how critical is it for this defense that they seem to have a true number one corner here? It's not just an old guy who's kind of filling. That. Yeah, I mean, he has been awfully good, and he, among his many comments after the game, said, "If I get," he said something about to the effect of, "If I promise you this, if I get tested." Meaning, if people throw at me, I will show up on the stat sheet. He, he's fairly confident that if you test me and throw at me, I'm not going to get beat. Now, you know, we'll we'll see if that holds up in two weeks when it's Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. And luckily, Christian Watson dropped that pass. Yes, there's that. Yes, there there was that one too. But I, you know, it was interesting this week. He talked about the the cards I was dealt in playing for the Cardinals in terms of the, the way they had him play, but. That's a little bit of revisionist history, I guess, as I see it, because last year when he came in here, he was talking about, I want to play for Mike Zimmer, and I like the fact that they're going to let me be me. They're going to let me be the press corner that I've always been because I didn't like the fact that the Cardinals changed the way they were using me and it didn't fit my game. I think maybe now he's realized that at age 32, this is a better fit because he's not running around as much. Um, you know, so some of it is it gets kind of reworked a little bit in the process, but I do think, you know, whether he loved it in Arizona or whether he hated it, like he was saying last week, this particular iteration of Patrick Peterson has been 
helped, I think, overall by this defense. And you, you see a lot of plays where he just looks really technically fundamentally sound, where he's not panicking, his feet are in the right spot, he turns his head at the right time to find the ball, makes plays in the right spots. He just – the fact that he's played as long as he has at as high a level as he has shows up in some of those moments, even if he's not the most fleet of foot, or at least compared to what he was. I mean, he was an awfully dynamic corner for a lot of his career. and um, He's still showing that in this scheme he can be awfully effective, and that's a big deal because we saw it again today on the other side – Cameron Dantzler got picked on by DeAndre Hopkins, and, and that's going to happen. But we kind of got a, a taste again of when there's a really good receiver on the other side, Dantzler can still give up some plays. Yeah, and, and Peterson has, what, 10 deflections now? Yep, these six in the last two games, I believe. According to the Vikings, that is a career high for him through the first seven games yeah. of the season. Um, we'll see how the next 10 games go for him. But, um, yeah, he's been just lights out, which is great for them. There was a few times the Vikings have had to hold their breath, though, uh, Zadarius Smith going down, left knee injury. Dalvin Tomlinson exiting the game with a calf injury. I talked to Dalvin after the game, and he said that he's hopeful it's just a short-term thing that he'll be back next week. They have an MRI scheduled for him on Monday. They have an MRI scheduled for Irv Smith, who also hurt his ankle at the end of the game. But the big ones are if you lose a piece on defense, like Zadarius or even Dalvin, yeah. who's been really good for them in the middle, it just it feels like a little bit of a Jenga tower right now. We're, we're seeing the dividends of these pieces, but knowing that, we really don't know much about what's behind the, the stars on that roster. The first two days of this week are going to be really interesting because you're 6-1. and one. There is a school of thought that says we got the 6-1 and one with this roster. We can go the rest of the way with this roster. There's another school of thought that says we've had a lot go right, and we can't assume for the next 10 weeks with no buy in there that we are going to stay as healthy and as – O'Connell didn't like the phrase charmed, but they've, they've caught some breaks to this point. There is a school of thought that says we need to help ourselves. Trade deadline is Tuesday at 3 o'clock. They need to clear some cap space to make a move. But it's going to be really interesting the next you know, 40 hours or whatever we are from the trade deadline to see what they do and, and how they feel about their roster. It'll be interesting across the, the NFC, especially Jerry Jones I saw was quoted after Dallas's big win that we, this is it. Like I want to, I want to try to win now. And I'm aggressive here in making a move potentially before he should, the trade. He end. should hire Jimmy Jones to be his coach then. <laughs> should I hire who? I mean, Jerry, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. I'm sorry. <laughs> yep. I messed that up. I blew that one. You'll have to edit that. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson to bring him back as the head coach. But whether it's the Cowboys, the Packers trying to salvage whatever it is they got going on, um, they could be in an arms race for you know pieces like Brandon Cooks out of the Texans. Um, there are certain wide receivers, K.J. Hamler with the Broncos, certain wide receivers. Who Jerry can, Judy, also at least, for the Broncos. It'll be interesting to see if Denver does anything after yeah. they win, too. Um, and the Eagles have been incredibly aggressive, so yeah, they might go yeah. do more. Yeah, Robert Quinn for a fourth-round pick is is incredible because he was by far the Bears' best defender when the Vikings saw him. Um, yeah, the trade deadline coming up Tuesday afternoon, that's when teams have to make those moves by. Usually it's much ado about nothing in the NFL, but it seems like with at least a few moves already this month that it might be a little different. This time around, since deadline spurs action, but is there anything else from this game that we should should talk about before we we break? I do think that Peterson showed that he still has the legs to to make everything else he does effective, uh, and Harrison Smith seems to be having a good year. And this is kind of a okay, does he still have it kind of season going in? At least in my eyes, I think the fact that those two are, guys are propping up the secondary is a pretty big deal. 
Yeah, Harrison, I thought, I mean, he's just always in the right spot yeah. at the yeah. right time, at least when he's playing that deep spot. But those interceptions could not have come much easier for yeah. him or Cam Bynum today. Kyler Murray, man. I don't know if he's got the uh, kill-death ratio on caught in his head or what, but <laughs> that was rough. That was rough. That was bad. I mean, he's spectacular, <laughs> but he, he'll also kill you. He's spectacular in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, please check out StarTribune.com for all of our work. We will talk to you guys on Wednesday as the Vikings prepare to head to Washington, D.C.